720 WGN, Mark Harmon, Kevin Powell at 732 with you till 10 o'clock tonight. Russ Dorsey is the future star of Major League Baseball coverage, if he's not there already. Doing it uh, for MLB.com, at Russ underscore Dorsey1 on Twitter. And he joins us now on 720 WGN. Russ, was that too tall of a intro there for you? What do you think? Is that uh, not not tall enough, Carl? <laughs> not tall enough. I'll work on but it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'll I'll work on it. We'll get you to the level that that you should be at on our in our next uh, intro slash visit here. So, Russ, where are we here? We got the Phillies uh, are, are testing positive. The Blue Jays are testing positive. We've got uh, t- positive tests in Arizona. Before we even get to any negotiation, uh, baseball's closing down all their t- facilities here. Do you have any idea what the path is forward? I think this is one of those situations that is really unfortunate, but you got to imagine it was going to happen at some point or another, whether it was, like, let's say we started a month ago. This would be a month into the season, and you'd have some cases pop up, and with you know, we've been really fortunate here in the Chicagoland area in Illinois with how our numbers have gone down. But you look at the other states, there are a lot of states that are having spikes and surges uh, across the country here. So, yeah, I think with, with people not following guidelines and wearing masks, which is super simple, we're going to see a lot of these cases. And it's hot. you can't keep adults um, as safe as you want to, regardless of, where they are, how much you control them. You can't control who they're around all the time. You can't control uh, people who are asymptomatic. You can't control any of those things. So it's, it's, it's a tough situation. And then adding that into everything we have going on with the negotiations from Major League Baseball and the Major League Baseball Players Association, these are all things that if I was a player, I would be concerned about. Like, I'm definitely putting myself at risk. And I have family and the kids and wife. If, if I'm a player, like I want to make sure everybody that I love is safe and healthy, along with myself for my career. So it's um, it's definitely a step back in terms of how we go forward because you're going to have to resolve this issue before you can even get to you know spring training and then having players come to one centralized location. Hey, Russ, this is Kevin. Appreciate you hopping on the, uh, the show. Um, Carmen and I were just talking about the ongoing negotiations between the owners and the players. And I'm starting to get the sense, like, look, the, it was bad optics all around, right? Because it just appeared to be about money right. for, for all sides. That's just a really bad look during it was extremely challenging, difficult time, however you want to put it. Look, it, to, your, to your point, I don't blame the players at all. Don't budge an inch, especially when it comes to pay. You're the product, and there was an agreement back in March that you were getting full prorated salaries. I'm with them there. I would not have backed down at all. I am starting to get the sense, because we had reports last week that anywhere from six to eight owners don't even want to have a season, and the immediate response to that from most fans is, oh, they're, they're greedy owners, et cetera, et cetera. It, look, if, if the owners really didn't want to go in on this because of the health component of it all, I think much there would be more fans that would have at least – a bit more understanding about the entire situation. They did decided not to go that route, but are you getting the sense? Because I, I'm, I kind of am that the, the owners just can't decide what they want to do in 2020. Do they want to have a season or not? 
Yeah, it, it seems that way perception-wise, especially with everything that you just talked about, Kevin. But honestly, it's it's a there's a, a new fight every day, it seems, right? It seems like they're talking about we want 100% pro rider today, and we need we still haven't figured out health and safety protocol. And, well, I, we, we're going to have the DH. Okay, fine. Are we going to expand the playoffs for this year or both years? Like, it always seems like there's something new. And after a while, you're having – I would imagine it happens with people when you, you're in meetings and you're having all these different conversations. And after a while, you just get tired. I would imagine that's happening with different ownership groups anyway. And, I, it, yeah, it's difficult. And, and I don't think owners have done the greatest job in the public perception category with everything that's, that's happened. Uh, and it started with the playing, paying minor league players. And now it's gone to this negotiation. And, no, I don't think they've done the best job handling this situation. But then again, you could say uh, something similar for the players. Even though most people would take the player side in, in this situation, I, I think they have some blame here too. And uh, it's just a bad situation all around right now. Does it feel dirty to you and Russ Dorsey, MLB.com, with us here on 720 WGN? But when I started hearing that, okay, we'll give you the DH in 2020 and 2021, I'm sitting there, why is that a part of the conversation? You want to collectively bargain that after the deal is up in 2021, okay, but it just feels like you're trying to figure out how to get back and play in a pandemic. Now we're going to to muddy the waters with the DH to try to make the players sign a deal? It just felt off to me. It's weird, and and Kevin brought it up on tonight's show a little bit. One of the situations that baseball finds itself in, as opposed to the other sports, the other sports were almost done with their season, right? And so it's just, all right, let's have a discussion on how we're going to come back to playing in 2020. That's the, that's the talk. Baseball, on the other hand, is having those discussions as well as almost quasi-CBA discussions. Right. Right? And it's just like you can't – you it's, it's going to be difficult enough to even play one game in 2020, let alone having these uh, almost CBA type of labor talks and then all these different things that would come up in a, la- a labor negotiation. So it's it's really draining on the process when you want to talk about safety and health protocols, but also, no, well, how are we going to split this money? How are we going to have expanded playoffs? Uh, how are we going to split the, the playoff revenues? How are we going to add – are we adding the DH to add more viewers and have a bit of, bigger draw to our product since we're not going to have the gate and people coming in and buying tickets? Like, what are we doing here? And it just seems like there's so much going on with um, two different discussions. You have your return from COVID discussions, and then you have your CBA type of discussions. And all those things are running together, and there's so much to sort through. You can't say yes on everything when there's so many different things coming up. And it's put so much pressure on these conversations, to your point, Russ, where you kind of I get exhausted. I've just been talking. We've been talking about this over and over for like, right. you know, it's like, come on. But it's the hope would be that, okay, yes, everyone is going to be thinking about, okay, we're going to be here in a similar situation in a year talking about a new long-term CBA. Can't we just, we have to realize this season is going to look so differently than whatever normal baseball season we've seen. I know this is so much easier said than done, but like, just put away the overall that the weight of the CBA talks in twenty twenty. You just figure out a twenty 
twenty season, and they they haven't done it. Nobody is budging it at, at all here. In baseball and and the the players association, there's just there's just too much dip on the chip, man. Like there's yeah. too much dip on the chip. Mm-hmm. There's too much stuff going on. And you're right. Maybe you have to take a step back and say, all right, we're going to take this completely off the table because this is not helping progress these discussions. We're going to take this off the table because that's not even something that we necessarily need to talk about at this point in time. And then you can really get to the meat of what we need to do to get back to baseball in 2020. But no, I I think it just goes back to what we've been talking about. There's just so much stuff going on that's just distracting from returning to baseball this year. And then you have all these other things. You have the cases popping up in Florida today and, and yesterday where players and, and execs and front office members are testing positive. And that's only going to continue to happen if, one, people don't take the proper precautions uh, and and safety measures to, to protect themselves and other people. But also as we approach the – you know, we're it's June 20th, guys. Like, we should have had this, this agreement done yesterday or last week. We could have even had it done a month and a half ago, and they could have gotten the 80 or 90 games that they wanted in, in the beginning. But now we're at June 20. We're running out of time here. Like, we're running out of summer. We've already heard from health officials and Dr. Fauci saying, like, you can't run this into November with influenza and cold and flu season and the second wave potentially of coronavirus. Like, we're really running out of time. And then you have, like, let's say you came up with an agreement in the next couple of days. You still have players who have to come from, you know, uh, the Dominican or Venezuela or Colombia right. or Mexico or uh, Korea or Japan, wherever they were. That's going to take a couple of days, maybe a week to get those guys back. And then you're going to have to have this three weeks of uh, tra- uh, spring training 2.0. It's going to be the middle to end of July before you even play one meaningful game. Do you think that, considering what's going on as far as the, the, the players testing positive, I'm getting back to your original idea about having to have the games played in a bubble, Major League Baseball, like the NBA is doing, to me that makes the most sense. I, and I, I've seen it floated out there that they might have that conversation again. Do you think that's a real thing? It w- I would just want to know how you can do that as safely as possible in a location where you have health and safety protocols from public officials already in place. Because when the original reported idea, it would have been in Arizona and you or Arizona and Florida, and then you would do it that way. But those states haven't had the protocols like we've had here in Illinois where people are maskless and you can go around wherever. That's going to be tough to have it in that type of place. So you, a place like Chicago, you guys were talking about it earlier with, like, the NHL playoffs. That would be the, the best place for it. At the same time, you don't have facilities like that here in Chicago where you can do that. Also, our weather is not going to be cooperative towards the end of the year. So you're going to have to have a place that has, um, you know, an indoor facility. But I don't know how – because think about it. You're going to have 26 guys on a the roster. They're going to expand them, so let's say 30 guys. Then you're going to have taxi squads. Then you're going to have medical training personnel, front office staff. You're going to have to have groundskeepers for each, you know, wherever venue that you use. So if you have that plus, you're going to have these on TV. You're going to have to have some type of media here because you're not going to do all this to not have it covered. So you're probably going to have 1,500 people after you have 30 clubs 
in, in one centralized location, that's a lot of people to keep track of if you're in in, a, in this bubble. And I know the NBA has, you know, they're getting ready to launch this plan. But look how long it took the NBA to come to that conclusion and to just get to a point where they can start, like, their training camp again. Baseball's now in a situation where their season's on the line, like the whole season. Like, the NBA had just a, a couple games in the playoffs left. Baseball has a whole season to think about, and we're at June 20. So it's going to be really difficult to have that plan now. Um, and if you if that's a plan that you're really serious about, like, you need to start talking about that like tomorrow. I, I was getting excited about it just for a second. You could have the NL, NL games can be played at Wrigley's. AL can be played at, at Guaranteed Rate. Like, you got the ballpark in Rosemont. You got the Schaumburg Boomers right, ballpark. Right. Kane can, County Cougars. Let's, let's, <laughs> I don't let's, know. Let's, maybe, let's pull this off. Maybe we could figure it out. You know, it's, it's it's June 20th, as you mentioned. It's the longest day of the year, guys. This should have been filled with baseball talk, talking about games on a beautiful summer night in Chicago. But here we are. What? What are your thoughts, Russ? I know people have already tried to forecast what does this mean for baseball fandom moving forward? Is this put a permanent dent in the legacy and the way fans think of the league? I, I kind of tend to think that it's going to bounce back. It's baseball. It's been around for 150 years. It may take some time. It may may lose a handful of hands of, of fans. But curious is what your thoughts are about uh, the long-term ripple effect that this has on the way fans consume Major League Baseball. I think for the last year and a half, maybe two years, there's been some tension from fans just based on the direction the game was going in. And I think when you add everything that we've seen over the last three months with coronavirus and, and baseball and the player association's handling of those different situations, I think it adds to that tension and adds to that fatigue of for baseball right now. And when you look at the fan bases all around this country, like people don't want to, like people are looking for a distraction, obviously. And on top of that, they really just want the people that play baseball, the people that run baseball, the people who own teams to care about baseball one and care about fans too. And I think you can ask a lot of fans and they would tell you, I don't feel like the people who play run or you know, own baseball teams care about the people who spend that hard-earned money that made baseball $11 billion last year. And so I do think it's difficult when talking about where do fans specifically in baseball go from here because not only are baseball fans, you know, at home waiting for sports to get back, but fans of all these other sports. And if all these other sports come back before baseball, which it looks like they will, that's going to take a big hit on on you know, how fans perceive baseball when they do come back and, and fingers crossed 2021. So it, it's it's a difficult situation. I'm not saying that it was all, you know, nobody could have predicted what would happen with, with the pandemic. But at the same time, like there's a lot of things you have to consider uh, right now. And I do think the fans are a big part of that. Like fans are a bigger part of um the, the rev- revenue portion of this whole thing than people give them credit for. Like, you're not – baseball doesn't make their record number in, in revenues last year without fans coming to the ballpark. You know, you could talk about baseball being a dying sport all you want, but, you know, they put numbers on the board at the bank. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's going to be interesting to see how fans respond after um, this next couple of months. Russ, great stuff. You want to hang out for 90 seconds? I got one more question for you. Can you hang? 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. No problem. All right. We're gonna we're gonna see. I'm gonna make Russ see your future, be your future. Let's get a prediction. What's gonna happen this week and see if he's right. Quick timeout. Seven twenty. WGN. Grainberry. Grainberry. Healthy cereal for your family. I'm Peter Harris for Grainberry, here with some breaking news about Grainberry cereals with amazing onyx sorghum. Chances are you already know about Grainberry's powerful plant-based antioxidants that no other cereal can match. And we have a unique patent to prove it. Well, just recently, we filed a second patent for better sugar control. We call it sugar taming. So what exactly is sugar taming? We start with lower sugar than other cereals, then use only whole grains to help slow sugar absorption. This helps with diabetes, a disease that sadly affects over 90 million people. Cereals without whole grains speed up sugar absorption, which is certainly not good. Grainberry cereals with amazing onyx sorghum is news you can feel good about. So look for Grainberry bran flakes, honey nut toasted oats, and cinnamon shredded wheat. Grainberry, Grainberry, healthy cereal for your family. How many people can say they've had a section of their spine removed? I can. I'm Jeff. And when my team at Northwestern Memorial Hospital found a rare tumor on my spine, my neuro-oncologist and neurosurgeon came up with a plan, resulting in a 14-hour surgery. Ranked fifth in the nation for neurosurgery by U.S. News and World Report, Jeff's team treated his one-in-a-million condition. They removed the tumor and vertebrae in one piece, then rebuilt his spine with a metal frame. Northwestern Medicine. Right. Right now, it's so important to have your home properly cleaned. You can clean your carpets, rugs, floors, tile, and upholstery by hiring executive green carpet cleaning for a level of clean no one else can deliver. They invest in the world's most powerful truck mounts and carpet cleaning machines, and they have the premier equipment that no other carpet cleaner in Chicagoland has. Executive green carpet cleaning uses ultra-purified water with a safe detergent-free spray, They never apply harsh chemicals that leave residue behind. And most importantly, they thoroughly scrub and agitate your carpet, a step that other carpet cleaners neglect. They'll leave your carpet with a nice, even-looking finish that is dry to the touch in just a couple of hours. For every single job, they utilize this system of important steps, and they never take shortcuts. Call now and get three rooms sparkling for just $139. And if you're not satisfied with their work, you don't pay. That's their guarantee. Call 630-990-8600, 630-990-8600, or schedule at executivegreencarpetcleaning.com. Look for the big trucks with the green hoses. Russ Dorsey, MLB.com, with us here on 720 WGN. Russ, here's the question. The owners are not going to negotiate anymore with the players. 60 games, that's it. Take it or leave it. Otherwise, we're going to implement our season. The players apparently are thinking about this. Go ahead and make a prediction. What happens this week? And if you're right, we'll find some level of reward for you. If not, then you'll have to... I don't know, run laps around WGN or something. All right, let's see. It's June 20th, Saturday. And it sounds like from reports the players are going to wait a couple days to decide what they want to do with their vote. So I would say at the earliest, then they won't do anything on Father's Day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'll say... If I'm making a prediction, Thursday will have some type of news. I have no inside information other than just educated guess on my part. 
Thursday. I think we have some type of news. And the news will be? You can't get off on there will be news on Thursday. <laughs> I'll say Thursday we'll have news that the players vote to approve the 60 games. All right. I'm going I'm going Monday. Everybody's fresh off the, you know, playing catch with dad on Father's Day and all the nostalgia and thoughts about baseball growing up and maybe everybody comes to the realization on Father's Day sitting around with pops on the patio talking about T-ball, talking about the dog days of summer. I'm going Monday here, guys. Maybe it's a little optimistic from me. Fingers crossed, man. I would hope you would. I, I'd much rather have your prediction than my prediction, Kevin. Spe- speaking of Dad's Day, by the way, Russ, uh, when, when we did some TV together, you brought your pops, and it's Dad's Day tomorrow. Did he uh, Did he help you at all, guide you towards the game of baseball, or did you find it on your own? No, everything I know about the game is because of my dad, who's listening right now. Hi, Dad. Um, <laughs> he, Yeah, I, from the time I was little, I remember the first game he ever took me to uh, me and my brother was the day that Jose Valentin hit for the cycle against Baltimore in 2000. Um, and then we just, we'd always talk about the game when I was playing the, I think the cool part about it, he was never my coach in baseball. Um, which I think helped me a lot because you have that pressure of your dad being your coach and then you have to be the best player, all that. And he kind of just was did it in the background. And if he saw something, my swing, if I was pulling my head or something, he would tell me and, when he would drop my Gatorades off, he'd be like, hey, you're doing this or whatever, or don't get so down on yourself after a strikeout. So everything I know about the game is because of him, sports in general, but especially baseball. And his dad did that, the same thing with him. So, no, love my dad. He's great. And uh, I would not be doing what I'm doing without him. You're the man, Dad. Way to go, Papa Dorsey. Um, so you grew up a Sox fan, Russ? Is that accurate? Grew up a Sox fan in the Sox household. Um, until the journalist in me killed the fan in me. <laughs> and it happens to all of us. But, yeah, I grew up a Sox fan. <laughs> I, I kind of told the, the gray line. I mean, for baseball, for sure. If I'm covering both teams in town, i got to keep it straight there. But, yeah, there is that there is that's a conversation. Do you have to eliminate the fan when you're a journalist? I think you do. But I'm guessing 2005, were you with your pops? I know I was with mine jumping up and down in the family room when that uh, grounder was hit to Juan Uribe. Yeah, I think that the cool part about it for me is being so young, I was in the fifth grade when Sox won the World Series, right? So I got to enjoy that as a fan. And then now people are like, how how can you just not be a fan of – I was like, no, I'm just a fan of the game now. Like, I love baseball that much, and it's also my career. So I'm not really worried about rooting. Like, I can – somebody – the Sox could win, the Sox could lose. It doesn't, you know, hurt me either way. And uh, I do think part of that, because why it was so easy, was because I got to have the the high of highs as a, a what I think eleven year old when the Sox won the World Series, and so there was nothing else for me. Like had they lost, it would have been kind of tough to say, "Man, the team that I grew up rooting for, I can't root for anymore because of my job." But now that I got I got to see that really early on, it's like, eh, "Okay, we're good now." Yeah. Grow up on the north side as a White Sox fan, Russ. I was surrounded by Cub fans. My first year cover, not to make pointing all, making this about me, but to your to, going along the lines here. First year covering baseball happened to be 2016. I was actually with Carmen in Cleveland for that World Series in the clubhouse. My my friends who are Cub fans were just. 
They hated that seeing me <laughs> covering the Cubs World Series, and they knew, like, growing up, I was this diehard Sox fan, always ribbing them because I was in the heart of, like, Cubs Nation. And then I'm, I'm in there in the Cubs locker room as they're celebrating. So it's weird how it all kind of changes when you do – you know, I mean, I wasn't rude. It's, it is. It's just different. I was, it's, it, for them, they, I think some of them, they were happy for me, but I think it bothered them a little bit. So, once, once, once you get to know guys on both sides of town, that's when this, you all, to me, it's almost like you become a fan of both teams when you get in that position. But, hey, Russ, just quickly before you go here, as, as a young black man covering the sport, and I saw Sean Dunstan was on Marquee the other day talking about getting more black players in the game. What's your thought about where Major League Baseball could be in this conversation, and also getting more players back on the field? That you know, when we were growing up, there was it was the percentages were a lot more; they were different than today. No, I think you're right. I think with what Kenny Williams and Theo Epstein have been doing yeah. this past seven to ten days has been amazing, and and using their platforms to bring awareness towards not only you know, racial inequality in the world, but within the game of baseball. And I think it's great that a guy like Ed Howard is going to stay here in Chicago and be, you know, a star for kids who grew up playing the game, you know, in the Chicagoland area and in, in around the country. They're, Tim Anderson is, is such an important, to me, and it's such an important athlete just in terms of what he represents um, here in town and, and the enthusiasm and love for the game and energy that he just brings, I think that's important. And I, I'm glad baseball in the last week or so has really been behind it. Players have been vocal. Players who aren't black have been vocal, which is a very important part. And Carmen, we've talked about this. A really important part of this process is it can't be Russ Dorsey to giving the message all the time. It has to be people who don't look like Russ Dorsey because that's how you get more people to listen. Um, so, no, I, I I want it to continue. I want more black reporters covering the game of baseball. Like, I don't like being one of two or the only African-American reporter I see at a ballpark, and it's frustrating. And I know there are people out there that can do it and would thrive, but there just aren't. So that goes into – Hiring practices, as Theo has talked about here over the last couple of weeks, and it, it's gonna. This whole, I I appreciate this whole journey that we're on as a country because I think it's gonna require some people to look inward, and you're gonna have to have a difficult conversation with yourself as a hiring manager or as a CEO or whatever, and say, all right, am I doing the best thing to not only bring equality but to put my best self forward as a human being? And the answer to that sometimes is going to be no. And after you hear it's no, what are you going to do to change that? I wish we started this conversation earlier in your segment, Russ, because I feel like we could do another two hours on this, if not more. I, I know for sure that the, with World at Pause, and we're running out of time here, and I, I it it for someone like me, it's completely changed the way I've consumed it differently. And I know you guys were mentioning in sports as a distraction. I'm I'm kind of glad we don't have a distraction right now. I don't think we need that distraction. It's glad that people have time to self reflect and put the guard down a little bit and admit that maybe the thinking and the, the way you're going about life wasn't the way you were supposed to be going about it. So, Russ, we're up against news. Great stuff. Um, we'll do it again. And appreciate you being on and, and all the conversations you're having here and and elsewhere these days. It's it's uh, it's it's great to have you on, my friend. 
My man, Carl. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Russ. Appreciate it. Russ Dorsey, MLB.com. News coming right up.